3: Welcome to the show, folks. We have UFC on tap already going on in Abu Dhabi. I'm just going to cover the co-main event and the main event, and then we're going to get into our NFL picks. So uh, if you want to go through the NFL picks, uh, you know, you, you'll have to wait a little bit, but we'll uh, we'll be getting into it shortly enough. But I uh, wanted to talk about UFC 294, mainly because... Even though I didn't love this card from a DFS perspective, that's why I didn't do an earlier recording on the full card. I just want to focus on the main events because I think it's a better betting aspect than doing DFS uh, this week. But co-main event is uh, Kamaru Usman taking this fight on short notice because Paulo Costa cannot... Uh, a, 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 Go through. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 kind of uh, hilarious that uh, uh, you know y- you think uh, you think uh, Costa with uh, and those who don't recall Paula Costa is probably the most juiced up fighter in the UFC. I don't care what anyone says. Paula Costa uh, not even bothering to qualify uh, for. This fight and and pulling out at the last minute, I mean, it's ridiculous. But with that being said, 10 days' notice against the most fearsome guy in the middleweight division, in Kazma Chamaev, Kamara Usman's taking this fight, moving up to welterweight on 10 days' notice. I I don't want to hear anyone, uh, I don't want to hear anything because, you know, this is ridiculous. Point blank. There's no way that Balan Muhammad, Kobe Covington, Leon Edwards, like, all these dudes turned down this fight. Kamaru Usman does not need this fight. But, literally, Kamaru Usman's going to USC Hall of Fame. Kamaru Usman, does, uh, we all know the backstory with Kamaru Usman's niece not being... 100%, and he's on the old older side of his career. We all know that he did not have a great uh, fight against Leon Edwards. All this is known. That being said, all these folks saying that Chumayev is just going to completely dominate Usman and that there's no chance Usman can win this fight, I'm sorry. Uh, Kamaru Usman is not taking this fight on 10 days notice just to collect the paycheck in, 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 in turtle... And, you know, lose in the first round. He's not doing it. Jemayev might get him to the ground. He might beat him up. But Kamar Usman is not quitting. Uh, that That's the one thing I, I'm going to say point blank. Uh, I, I will stand on this hill that Kamar Usman is not taking this fight on short notice. Just to collect the paycheck and then turtle as soon as he gets into trouble. Usman is going to compete in this matchup. Now, is he going to have success winning this matchup? That's a different story. And it's a different story because you got to remember, this is in Abu Dhabi and he's going up against Jumayev, who's going to be a, a, a minus a 340 favorite with a crowd that's fully partisan behind him. And judges, let's be honest, are going to be in the camp of uh, Jumayev. And we're going to talk about the main event with Makachev. This is why I say it's this is more of a betting card than anything else, than DFS. So from my perspective... We got a three-round fight. Uh, I think it's a slight mistake on Usman's part. I think Usman's best bet of winning this fight was a fi- is a five-round fight. The reason why I say it's it's a, it's it's probably best Usman takes a five-round fight is that Chemaev has already shown weaknesses in terms of gas tank in his fights, where he he does get tired as the fight goes along. Now, again. I know that's crazy logic for folks because Kamaru Usman taking this fight on ten days' notice. Ten days' notice without a true training camp for twenty-five minutes of a fight—that be—that is kind of a crazy uh, ask to make of Kamaru Usman. But I would say, from a, a win perspective, that was that would be his best win condition. So three rounds, I actually think, is uh, benefits Chimaev versus Usman. Because Usman isn't always the fastest starter, and I think there is an adjustment you have to make when you're going from five rounds and competing regularly. Because you got to remember, he was the welterweight champ for multiple years, and defending uh, defending the title loses the uh, Leon, and then he gets the rematch in London against Leon, and you know has trouble pulling the trigger. Now going to a three round fight. On short notice, it's going to be an adjustment for Usman. And I don't think that first round goes well for him. Now, with that being said, I think once he gets the five minutes in, I think it takes over for Usman. And I think that's where Usman can still win this fight. Now, can Shemaev get some takedowns in round two or three to steal a round? Yes, but I do think in terms of going to enemy soil, literally... Uh, against Chemayev, I, I I think it's probably the bravest thing. Kobe Covington ducked Chemayev for the better part of three years. Like Kobe Covington with his uh uh with his uh real American man gimmick and uh mega gimmick and wearing a hat and everything else like and and, and do and talking up a big game. Usman's the the only guy who who took this fight. You think Dana White? went to Usman first, Dana White went to Usman as the last resort not to have to cancel the Tramaya fight. Because like Dana knows that there's nothing to gain for Usman taking this fight. The only thing to gain for Usman taking this fight is, okay, if he wins, he gets a match uh, for the title against uh, Sean Strickland. But Usman's not a natural middleweight. So, it, again, it's it's one of those where it's like, He's taking a fight in the division that he's gonna be naturally undersized in. It's not, uh, it, it it's not uh, it, it's not the reality of the situation. So with that being said, should Chemayev win the fight? Yes, because I, I think if it goes through a decision, Chimaev's gonna get the decision more than likely given the uh, uh, given uh, the crowd and the venue. That that's just a reality of the situation. Uh, for Usman to win this fight, he's going to have to do something significant, damage wise, in rounds two and three. I think he's going to lose round one off the bat because, again, he's more accustomed to fighting five round fights where you're conserving energy in round one uh, and not going all out. And I think that's going to cost him. I think uh, Chamayo gets him down to the ground and wins round one, but. Do I think Usman is getting finished and that, like, all these folks betting first round uh, TKO and then uh, Chamayev by submission, Chamayev uh, under one and a half rounds? Uh, I just think it's, it's nonsensical. I think this fight goes through a decision, and more than likely, it's going to be Chamayev winning by decision but it wouldn't shock me if Usman pulled off an upset and, and got a finish in round three uh, because of Tremayev gassing out. It would not shock me in the slightest, even though Usman's the guy taking the fight on short rest, I mean, at short notice, and uh, not having a full camp. It, it's not going to shock me in the slightest if Usman pulls off the upset. But to me, the bet here is you take, uh, uh, you take the over on the... Uh, the fight lasting because folks are thinking this is going less than two rounds, and that's just a mistake. Uh, I, I don't know what else to say about that. I, I, you know, for the folks that don't think Usman is going to survive this fight, I, I, I think you got to put some more respect on the champ's name like that. I, I think very much that Usman is still going to be the fighter if this went past round three, that Usman would be the favorite fighter at the end of this fight. That's the way I look at this. But if it, if Usman can't get a finish, the judges are going to give it to Chemiyev more than likely because of the venue. Uh, but uh, I, I just have a hard time seeing Usman winning a decision in Abu Dhabi against Chemiyev. But, the idea that Usman's going to turtle and get knocked out and, and taken out in round one. No. I, I, I have a hard time seeing it. So, anyway. Uh, let's get to the main event. Islam Chemaev, uh I mean, Islam uh, Makachev uh, versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Again, another short notice fight because of the fact that Charles Oliveira busted his eye, uh, eye, eye eyelid. Um, with a headbutt, like the, the Chucky Olive's injury, I, I know people are questioning the validity of the injury, but if you have a busted <laughs> gash right above the bridge of your eyebrow, you can't fight. Realistically, it's too easy for a punch to blow that thing right open again and uh, you're compromised for the entire fight, and it's a 25 minute fight. So realistically, Makachev, given how easily he got Charles to the ground and submitted Charles, I I really didn't think Charles had much of a shot with his matchup. So I actually think Volk, uh, stepping up and taking this fight on short notice again, props to Volk because again he wanted this match against Makachev. But on short notice, this is what makes it dangerous. So Volkanovsky's got to know something that I don't. Uh, Makachev is a minus two, uh, 260 favorite. The way I look at this from Volkanovsky's standpoint, he cannot let this go through a decision in Abu Dhabi. There's no chance he's getting a decision win over Makachev in Abu Dhabi. This is Islam Makachev's homecoming. Khabib's going to be in his corner. The entire crowd's going to be chanting for uh, uh, Khabib and Makhachev. There's Realistically, this is not a Rocky Four situation where you're going to w- w- turn hearts and minds and they're going to start cheering for Volkanovsky. No. <laughs> it's like, this is a reality situation. You're in enemy soil. You're not going to get a decision win. No chance with these judges. The only way Volkanovski can win uh, the belt and be a double champ in a higher weight division, he's gonna have to try to find a way. And I don't think it. I don't think it's impossible at, given the amount of fights I've watched Volkanovski at this point. Because you guys know if you run it back with how I in the, uh, did my analysis for the first fight, I thought, straight up, even with a reach advantage, there was no chance Volkanovsky was going to be able to hang with Makachev. I, I, I just didn't see it happening. I thought Makachev would take him to the ground and submit him. Got him to the ground. Could not submit Volk. Volk would not budge. Volk just put up a great fight and... Had Makachev in much dangerous uh, positions, a number of dangerous positions uh, in that fight, and had his chances of winning the fight. Some people still think Volk won the fight. I think that by the end of it, Volk got more out of that fight than Makhachev did. And that's why Makachev wants this fight. Because he wants a chance to prove that he can finish Volk. And if you're Volk, you know you are not getting a decision win. So to me, the bet for this fight is you take the under... Three and a half rounds. I think one way or the other. Volk's got to take more chances. To try to get a finish. He had Makichev hurt at certain points. And I think he unloads the gas tank. To get him out of there. Because he knows he can't win a decision. Uh, in Abu Dhabi. He almost got the decision in Australia. In his home ground. But in Abu Dhabi. There's no chance he's getting a decision win. He's got to finish Makichev, And if you're Makichev, He wants to put on a show for the home crowd. And will that lead to him being a little bit more reckless than usual? Possibly. But he's going to go for it. So that's why I look at this fight from the standpoint of you have two guys with added incentive to get it finished. I don't see this one going to the cards. I have a hard time seeing this one going to the cards unless they both get tired. uh, Or they both get clipped hard and are in defense mode. And... You know They're trading, but again, they don't want to risk losing it all because they already got hurt in the fight. I think the first time someone gets hurt in this fight, it's probably going to be, be the end because the other guy is going to pounce and unload as much as they can to get the other guy out there because they know how dangerous the other fighter is. I think that's where it's going to go. Sometimes fighters take a more pensive approach because they don't want to uh, empty out the gas tank because of... The situation, I think this is the opposite. I think both guys know realistically if they don't empty the gas tank and try to get him out there, this is a five-round fight, and I don't think either one of these guys wants to go five rounds for different reasons. So, with that being said, I'm going to take the under on the the main event, Come main event, take the over. I, I think people are overestimating uh, Chemaev, not that Chemaev isn't great, But I I think it's more of they're overestimating how dominant Jumayev will be versus Usman because they're underrating uh, the bulk of Usman's career and the type of fighter he is. I I have to think that that fight is going to be far more competitive than people realize. So anyway, we're going to get into NFL picks after this. So stick around after the break and we'll be right back.
2: Don't go Anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills.
0: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
2: Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready.
3: Alright, we are back with NFL Sunday Slate Action. Basically, we're going to start off with Atlanta traveling to Tampa to play the Buccaneers. Buccaneers, two and a half point favorites. Obviously, Vegas is slightly favoring the Atlanta side, which is why the line's not at three for the Bucks. I agree with that sentiment. I, I think folks underrate the Falcons, even though Desmond Ritter's not a true NFL QB. Yes, he had some uh, decent throws last week. The numbers look good, but if you actually look at him operating the pocket, I always say... I get nervous when I see QBs with negative pocket presence, which Ritter does seem to have. If the first read's not there, he's going to struggle at times. Now, against Tampa Bay, this is one of those teams where you can't throw on them, and they struggle with mobile QBs. I know a lot of times they say you can't run on Tampa, but you can run on them. You can do stretch runs, and they also struggle with uh, pocket breakdown and Ritter's gonna have running lanes to go through this is something that Josh Allen has taken advantage of and a number of other mobile QBs has taken advantage of Tampa Bay in the past so from fantasy purposes I do like Desmond Ritter quite a bit because of the price tag in DFS he's uh, about 5900 uh, but the again I do think that there's ways for Atlanta to score on offense. Where they're going to have their chances to be uh, very productive against this uh, Tampa defense. The biggest thing that I look at overall is the uh, fact that, again, you've got multiple uh, players where, again, there should have decent matchups. So Drake London against that Tampa secondary. Mike Evans... Uh, I think, you know, while Atlanta's rated well against uh, wide receivers, Mike Evans physically has the ability to disrupt any defense just because of his strength. I don't really love the matchup for Godwin, but I do think uh, Mike Evans could have a pretty decent day overall uh, when you factor certain things. But on the flip side of just the straight bets, I do think that this is Atlanta uh, taking this one outright. I I don't think this is a mere cover situation. I think they went outright. So, to me, I think Atlanta can get this one going. I think they can get this into the 20s. But, you know, if it bogs down because they can't execute, then, yeah, this is probably closer to a 2017 type of game in favor of the Falcons. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Next up, Buffalo traveling to New England to pay the Pats. Uh, again, 8.5. Well, actually, it, it was 8.5. It's moved up to 9.5. Uh, Buffalo should win this. But I also saw this Buffalo team struggle against the Giants. So I'm left at a crossroads because I'm always a, f- a proponent of picking on Mac Jones. He has not shown much of anything, but at the same time, if you're going to struggle against a Giants team that had as many issues as it did, and it still does, to be perfectly honest, no game's a gimme, and with the line being as wide as it is, I am cautiously going to say... If you could still get eight and a half in your pick'em pool, you can take the chance. If it's already nine, don't bet this line. I I have a. It's it's one of those things where I could see New England getting uh, within striking distance. Maybe Buffalo goes for two, doesn't get it. They they have tried to go for two in the past. Like this is one of those weird games where. Yeah, I expect the Bills to win, but this is definitely one of those where it can just be like a touchdown victory, and that's not going to get it done. I just can't recommend uh, taking the New England side of things, given how poorly Mac Jones has played. I mean, there's a, there's an avenue where Buffalo blows out New England, and uh, Josh Allen still doesn't play well. Uh, just because... Mac Jones could just give away the game uh, to the uh, Bills defense. Uh, there is a very possible route for that to happen. Uh, from fantasy purposes, don't really love any of the pieces. Obviously, folks are going to gravitate towards Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. But price tags, they're, they're some of the most expensive plays on the slate. Uh, I mean, you got Allen at 8200 uh, on DraftKings, uh, you've got uh, uh, Stefan Diggs at 8900 I, I just I don't think there's a viable path for either of those guys to be very productive. Next up, Cleveland versus the Colts. Colts, one-and-a-half point underdogs at home. I expect Cleveland to win this. If they don't win this, Kevin Stavansky, again, in that unholy trinity or uh, four horsemen type quality of awful NFL coaches. Uh, I just, I don't understand how uh, this Cleveland team doesn't recognize that Stefanski's (laughs) probably going to be the biggest liability that they have. Uh, Much like the Chargers have with Brandon Staley, uh, Stefanski, uh, very curious uh, coaching decisions. From time to time. That being said though. The Browns defense should be able to. Do some work against Gardner Minshew. I I think they'll be able to turn the ball over. uh, On the Colts. I think they can shut down the running game. Even though they've got Jonathan Taylor back. And Zach Moss has played so well. I think the Browns defense can make enough plays. Against the Colts running game. To force it upon Minshew to kind of throw the ball around and, and get them out of tight spots. And I think that's where uh, the Browns defense excels and turns a ball over a couple of times. So I, I do like Cleveland quite a bit to win this one outright and cover. I don't think it's as close as people think. But if it is close, Kevin Stefanski is always going to give me pause in a tight game situation that he if he's going to make the right call or not. So... Yeah, could there be some cautious uh, uh, caution, if you will? Certainly. Mainly because the Vegas lines. you know, I would have expected a wider line in favor of the Browns, given that they beat San Francisco. But, you know, Vegas giving some respect to the uh, Colts as well. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Detroit traveling to Baltimore. Baltimore, three and a half point favorites. Anyone who's been listening long enough knows my take on the Ravens. The Ravens are the schoolyard bully. If the Ravens are winning this game, I would bet the alternate line. If you believe the Ravens are w- winning this game, I would bet the alternate line of uh, six and a half points in favor of the Ravens. If the Ravens win this game, they're they're beating Detroit by a touchdown or more. Just because they will just get out ahead on a big lead and take care of business. If this game is even remotely close or tied in the fourth quarter, Detroit's going to want it more than Baltimore, and they're going to break them. Uh, That's the way I look at this game. To me, I don't think the Ravens can beat Detroit in a tight game. I think it's got to be a game where we know Jared Goff uh, has home and road splits. It's well documented that he's far more efficient at home than he is on the road. But with that being said, I still think he should be able to move the ball against this Ravens defense. Uh, again, they kind of operate from a schoolyard bully standpoint. If you stand out to them, put up points on them, they kind of sh- uh, shrink up a bit, and you can control them in the second half of games. Now, it's one of those caveats where, again, this is one of those spots where You know, I've been hearing a lot of talk of everyone's on the Detroit side of things. And, you know, the Ravens still being, uh, getting the hook uh, at home. Kind of tells me Vegas has a feeling that the Ravens are going to find a way to win this game. I just don't believe the Ravens can win a tight game against Detroit. The way Detroit plays and hangs around the games, I think the Ravens fold. So I'm going to take the Detroit side of the matchup. But if you believe the Ravens are winning this game... I, I would suggest betting an alternate line that's higher than the three and a half. Because to me, the route for the Ravens to win is blowing, uh, well, not necessarily blowing out Detroit, but winning by a touchdown or more. It, it, to me, that's how the Ravens want to win some of these games. And against good teams, I, I think it's, it's exponentially harder for them to win a tight game, uh, which is why they've dropped some of the games that they have when it got tight. Because... The offense doesn't look great in tight games uh, when the pressure's on. And the defense uh, certainly doesn't react well to tight games, and they get tired. So, to me, uh, I'm on the Lions side, but if you want to take the Ravens, uh, you can take them to win. But I would say bet uh, an alternate line, because if they win, it's probably going to be a touchdown or more. Next up, Chicago hosting Vegas uh Tyson or was it Tyler Bajan. I think it's Tyson Bajan. um under center for the bears I mean no Justin Fields but guess what the Raiders are opting to play Brian Hoyer in 2023 I I I don't even understand this how we, I really don't understand what <laughs> what Josh McDaniels is doing uh, Brian Hoyer? Really? You're going to roll with Brian Hoyer? Brian Hoyer wants to be holding the clipboard. He does not want to be throwing passes. This is a disaster waiting to happen. As bad as the Bears' defense is, this is going to be one of the worst watch, uh, watchable games of the week. I just look at this as a tight game where the Bears win. The Bears are three-and-a-half-point underdogs. The Bears are winning this game if, uh, if Josh McDaniels doesn't bench Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer is not winning... Football games in twenty twenty three. I even bad defenses are going to show up against Brian Hoyer. They're not. They're not going to let that one slide. So I think Aiden O'Connell should have started. I don't know why Josh uh, McDaniel's uh, didn't give him a, a second crack at this, given that he wasn't that bad. I know McDaniel's threw him under the bus, but a lot of that was on his own play calling, not McDonald's. Um, I mean O'Connell's, but uh, play, but. Uh, yeah, he's going to go with Hoyer, and he's going to lose until he benches him uh, in the, in this game, uh, but I'm on the Chicago side of things, so give me Bears uh, plus three and a half, but they probably went out right, so uh, you can get away with uh them on the money line as well. Next up, we have the Giants and Washington. Oof, dog matchup to say the least. Uh, for some reason, the Giants are the underdog here. Uh, I don't know if people have been watching the tape of the Commanders, but they're not very good either. Uh, there's no way I would be taking the Commander side of this matchup. Not that I, I'm angling to bet the Giants as a Giants fan, um, because this Giants team isn't any good, but l- literally, this Commanders team is, uh, is bad, uh. Again, unless you're doing it for a pig's pool and you think a lot of people are going to be on the Giants side of things, uh, this is a you-take-the-Giants-and-call-it-a-day sort of play. Uh, is it going to be ugly? Absolutely. Uh, this seems. This screams like a 17-16 type of game uh, coming down to a field goal. Uh, this is a stay-away spot for DFS. Uh, I... Don't have any recommendations outside of maybe you want to uh, use Wandale Robinson as a cheap piece because he's 3800 on DraftKings. But outside of that, uh, I have no interest. Um, Daniel Jones looks like he's going to miss another game for the Giants. Not that it matters because the offense looks better with Tyrod Taylor anyway. Um, not that it is anything to write home about, but... Yeah, I mean, this is one of the uglier games of the weekend. Uh, I'll be watching because, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment. But uh, outside of, uh, you know, individual rooting interest from the respective fan bases, there's no reason to watch this game uh, or bet it. Moving on, we have the afternoon window starting off with Seattle and Arizona. Seattle, 7.5-point favorites over the Cardinals. Hey, the Cardinals are taking for Caleb Williams. I keep saying this. Yes, they will show some competitive fire. They'll keep it close to the first half. I expect Seattle to pull away. Uh, The 7.5 is more than warranted. Uh, But in terms of massive scoring, I I don't see this turning into a shootout type of game. I know the Seahawks uh, figure to be popular uh, for DFS purposes. Uh, there's some questions if DK Metcalf's going to play or not. This is where you have to kind of use your best judgment. If you think, um, Tyler Lockett's going to get the line to of work, by all means, go to Tyler Lockett. Uh, he's at 6K. If DK misses, he's definitely going to be chalky. So maybe you want to look at Jackson Smith Naya. Um, instead at 4,900 as an alternative to lock it, who's going to be chalk if DK misses, but because it's the afternoon window, always a possibility that folks don't make the adjustment. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a little bit more along the lines of, uh, depending on how things go in the early part of the window, maybe folks pivot towards lock it or they just pre-plan ahead of time that they want to go to lock it, uh, Either way, um, yeah, it, it's just a favorable matchup. I just don't see it having monster ceiling potential. That's my biggest concern about the game itself. Next up, Rams, three and a half point favorites over the Steelers. I think this is a trap spot, truth be told. Realistically, I hate the Steelers offense But you're telling me the Steelers' defense with a week of rest against a Rams offensive line that can barely pass protect average defensive lines are going to hold up well against the Steelers. This is my problem with this game. The Steelers are coming off the bye. The Rams offensive line is not very good. And Matthew Stafford can't move. This seems like a recipe for disaster. I know folks are going to play the Rams in Survivor. And I may be forced to, based off of some entries of like uh, loading up on heavy favorites. These are the weeks that gotta burn you. Because to me, I think this Steelers team is more than capable of knocking off the Rams. Uh, give me the Steelers side of the equation, plus three and a half. I think they can win this one outright. The pass rush from the Steelers with TJ Watt, um, I think it's going to be a big issue for the Rams to deal with. I do not like the Rams at all. This week, uh, Cooper Cup's ninety five hundred, Puka Nakua's eight k. Think the prices are too expensive. Uh, Kyron Williams on IR. We don't really know who the running back's going to be. It could be Evans. It could be Royce Freeman. It could be uh, Darrell Henderson. It's like we don't know for sure. And Sean McVay's not going to tell you anything before kickoff. This to me, the Rams are a stay away spot. I don't trust. Uh, the ramps at all. And then the last of the four o'clock games, we have a uh, green Bay traveling to Denver to play the Broncos Broncos. Uh, one and a half point underdogs. Uh, this could be another trap spot because we know green Bay is not very good, but we also know Denver's uh, defense underachieves, but some of these guys are trying to get traded. And what you have to kind of bear in mind is that when you're trying to get traded, you're going to want to put some some decent film. And that Miami game put a lot of stink on some of the Broncos players. So this would not shock me if the Broncos actually had a good defensive effort against a bad Packers offensive line. But I'm not necessarily, you know, itching to back uh, the Broncos side of things. To me, there's a... Stay away spot from a betting perspective. I'm not actively looking to do it. If I had to take it for pick's pool purposes, it depends on where I am in the standings. If I need to catch up, I'm going to take the Broncos side. If I'm uh, in the upper uh, upper third, I'm probably going to just take the Green Bay side and hope that it works out. But Green Bay is not safe in the slightest. So take that for what uh, what you will. But uh, Green Bay is not safe. Broncos, they've got added incentive to uh, perform uh, tomorrow because, uh, again, this is a case where some of these guys are looking to get traded next week. You put out some good film, get a peak interest of some uh, teams, and you get yourself out of a bad situation. About as simple as that. All right. Oh, actually, I forgot about the, uh, the the main 4 o'clock game. I thought I talked about it and I didn't. It, how could I forget Brandon Staley? Brandon Staley and the Chargers traveling uh, to play Kansas City uh, in Arrowhead. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, there's a reason why uh, Kansas City is favored by 5.5 points a lot of it has to do with the fact that no one remotely even thinks uh that uh no one even thinks that the <laughs> the Chargers are a competently run team at this point. Uh, I I mean it's really sad at this stage that a team could be as dysfunctional as uh, as the Chargers are because they really shouldn't be uh, having as much uh, difficulties uh, to. Uh, they should have. They shouldn't be having as much difficulty uh, winning games as they do. But I mean, a loss would put them at two and four. Brad Saley should have been fired since yesterday. Like I mean, Brad Saley's been overdue to get fired. Uh, To me, it's crazy that the Chargers would wait until the end of the year to fire this guy when they legitimately can make the playoffs with halfway decent coaching from here on out. But that's the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, The Chargers desperately need to win this game. And I think the Chargers are so poorly coached that even though Travis Kelsey is an obvious option to shut down, Travis Kelsey could have another big day receiving because Brad Staley makes no adjustments whatsoever. So I think the Chiefs are going to find ways of getting Kelsey open. Uh, I think we get a 100-yard day out of Kelsey. and the, You know, we'll probably... Uh, they'll, NFL will probably have uh, Taylor Swift in the audience and whatnot and all that nonsense that goes with it. But uh, I I wish I could say something positive about the Chargers because the Chargers realistically should be a top-five team in the NFL with decent coaching. That's how bad I think the coaching is with the Chargers. Like The Chargers are going to miss the playoffs with a talent as loaded as they are. Like This should not be a a five-and-a-half spread. But it's an indictment on how bad... The coaching is in San Diego right now. I, I don't care what anyone says; coaching matters. Like it, it, it's a two, it's a two and a half point swing. Like this should be Chiefs minus three if this was decent coaching on the Chargers side. Vegas knows. I mean, they know. So give me the Chiefs. I think Kelsey's uh, more than fine for DFS. Uh, he's going to be expensive. As is Mahomes, but you know, I don't hate it because uh, there's not a ton of uh, ceiling potential with a lot of these spots uh, this week. So I don't ha- hate playing Kelsey Mahomes. The problem is on the Charger side, Keenan Allen. You know, now that Eckler's back, he's going to lose some of his target share, but he's priced up as as if Eckler's gone. Eckler looked terrible on Monday night against the Cowboys. I don't think he's healthy so I don't want to play Eckler. Uh, Jordan Palmer is the mispriced guy on DraftKings at 4800 so it's going to be very chalky between uh, playing Mahomes, Kelsey, and then doing the Palmer run back at 4800 but I think that's the route to go if targeting this game. I don't like targeting the other pieces on the Chargers side. I, I think if there's a lot of Areas in flux at the moment. I know people are going to play uh, Keenan Allen. And I'm probably going to play some shares of Keenan Allen. Maybe uh, he finds something, but I think it's high risk. And people think it's safe, but that's when you get caught with certain things. So, um, yeah. Got to be on the Chiefs side of things. I think DFS-wise, it's a bit more of a crapshoot. So, Sunday Night Football. Eagles hosting uh, the Dolphins. Uh, Eagles favored by a point and a half. Uh, yeah, this is a a spot that makes sense for the Eagles to be favored uh, slightly, but less than the three because it's giving respect to the Dolphins. The line makes sense. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm I'm gonna take the Miami side of things. Uh, I know Miami's banged up on the offensive line and defensive lines. But this is the kind of spot where Tyreek Hill can go off on the Eagles secondary and have a big game. So I'm I'm going to lean more towards that. Uh, certainly, there's a, there's a likelihood that uh, Eagles take care of business anyway. But uh, I'm going to lean towards the Miami side of the equation. Um, and, you know, Tyreek getting the captain for showdown purposes makes a ton of sense. Uh but, uh, yeah, that's a lot of where I'm kind of positioning myself towards is uh, for showdown, it would probably be Tyreek in the captain and Hurts and Flex along with Tua. And then it doesn't leave you a ton of options, but there are enough cheap pieces like uh, a Braxton Berrios and uh, some of these other cheap uh, Miami rec- uh, wide receivers uh, to make it, uh, the math work. So um, that's uh, my initial thoughts uh, on that slate. And then for Monday Night Football... You got the Vikings hosting the 49ers. 49ers uh, 7 half-point favorites over the Vikings. It's Kirk Cousins in primetime, folks. Uh, some people hate the narrative. Some people think it's nonsense. But the, the record does reflect that teams do not rally around Kirk Cousins. Now, given that there's, it's still early in the season... There's still a chance that this doesn't turn into a blowout, but I'm more on the side of it's more likely to be a blowout in favor of the 49ers than I am that it's going to be a close game in favor of the Vikings winning. Um, Could Kirk Cousins have a good day throwing the football? Yeah. Without Justin Jefferson, it's going to be tougher, and if you're playing Kirk Cousins in showdown, you're going to want to pair him with TJ Hawkinson and uh, your choice of either uh, K.J. Osborne or uh, Jordan Addison. Uh, To me, that's the way to go if you're thinking that the Vikings keep this competitive. Um, Alexander Madison would be the play if you think it's going to be more of a blowout, and then uh, the Vikings do more dump-offs to to Madison. But if you think it's a back-and-forth game, uh, to me, it's uh, Cousins and uh, wide receivers. I just happen to be more in the camp of, I did the Niners take care of business, and they went by 10, anywhere from 10 to 14 points. So that's going to do it for us. I'm going to get on out of here. Enjoy the fight tonight if you're watching the UFC card. Enjoy the games if you're watching NFL. And until next time, folks, have a good one.
2: Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets.